I'm Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And I'm Phil Wolf of the Nefris Initiative. You're listening to Snakes and Stogies. The only podcast dedicated to fine tobacco. All things reptile related. And the people who love them. As part of the Repeticulture Network. Are we live? There we go. Oh, oh we're live. What's happening? Five at five. He needs so something. You, I don't know what his deal is. He's he's a cat and he loves you. All of a sudden, he wants my attention. Any other time, he wants nothing to do with me. Scratch no, his chin. I won't. What's happening? Can I'm you hear me to, okay? I'm no, not, you're crystal clear. You're crystal clear. Okay. Pour him a saucer of milk. No. <sighs> well, this is Snakes and Stogies, episode 132. I'm Phil Wolf, and my co-host, Justin Smith, is proud to tell you that we've had a very long day, and we don't have a traditional intro, but here we are. We sure ready, don't. Ready to entertain, to captivate, to humor, and this show could not be made possible without the fine people of the Pacific Northwest, the Gendra, the Puget That's Sound right. Pythons. Puget Sound Pythons, check them out. And if you find yourself in need of a new animal enclosure, whether it be a rack system, a display cage, or even just a small you know, builder cage to, to start your stack, to start your display wall, Feel free to go to blackboxcages.com and check them out because they're awesome and they make this show possible too. And you can now get the X-T3 in a slider. It's all about the sliding, baby. That's right. Sliders, people wanted them, slowly rolling them out. So they're there. Uh, weekly favorite Metallica album update, without a doubt, Reload. No, God. Ugh. We can't start like that. Ugh. Oh. Okay, okay. Some kind of monster. Jesus. St. Anger. That wasn't anybody, an else, anybody else want to come co-host this show tonight? Yeah. I'm all discombobulated, man. I was like... It's all right. It's been a day. Oh, it's it's not been a, a day. Not a bad day. It's just been a hectic day. And oh, I no. I, I had a rough day. Over with, did you? That oh, sucks. yeah. What are yeah. you smoking on? Tonight, uh, because it's been such a rough day, I decided to go with a... Timeless classic, the Ashton VSG. And this one, I don't think I've ever, I have to have smoked it because I've smoked almost every VSG, but this is like a weird short Corona. And it didn't have any like sticker on it or whatever. And huh. I think the, the shop was, I mean, obviously as a band, but you know, how normally they have like a little sticker that says what it is. Yeah. And, uh, I was like, hey, I'll take this Ashton. You only got like two left in the box. And the girl said, uh, I don't know what that is. So I'll just ring you up for the Toro. I said, okay. So what are you smoking? That's when I would get the joke of, oh, that's not marketing. It's free, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, I, my life is retail, so I avoid that joke at all costs. Well, sometimes you can't. We used to have this kid that would come in. And every time he'd be like, it's buy one, get one free, right? Ha, ha, ha. And I got to the point where I just didn't even acknowledge it. I was like, yeah. dude, like 1625, come on. Like, 
Yep. It was cute the first time. After that, it was like. It was cute when your dad did it when you were like 16. Yeah. Uh, so I'm smoking a Intemperance Connecticut that I started earlier and decided to finish tonight. Um, and then I have some of these. So some of these little Romeo tins. Oh, look at you. With tiny the guys. So I actually I like these because it's like the perfect smoke either on my way to or on my way from work. Yeah. Um, it's like 12 bucks at Walgreens and they're actually pretty damn good. So, yeah, I, I have this thing have. for uh, number nines. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the perfect drive to work. Smoke. Good little, good little smoke. Yeah. Sometimes I have yet to really like get out of work during work to go smokes, you know, burn yeah. one or half of one, whatever. But, um, yeah, so they're there. I keep them in my dress, my, my desk drawer at work and, they kind of just sit there. So I grabbed them when I left today because I was like, you know what? Homie's broke and I'm going to smoke one or two or all three tonight. So sounds good. Do they come with a little hydration pack or no? They do, but it's almost always just bone. Dry. Yeah. Yeah. It's I was going to say the, the, the Liga must... actually has a Bovida brand, yeah. but it's like yeah. cardboard by the time you open it. Yeah. It's like, how long is, has this been in here? I think it's probably the, the tin. I would think there's. Not a very good seal on those, even when they're wrapped in plastic. So I can't imagine they last very long. But Mike Arnold, I don't drink tins. That bougie bitch. But we love him. <laughs> yep. Let's see. I'm seeing talk of Aki's. Dom's here for the first time in like eight months. Good for her. She's always here in spirit. So, Robert Sakaz, I think is how you pronounce his last name. <laughs> Should have asked him when I was talking to him. Uh, me, he and I talked on the phone a couple weeks ago. And uh, he's doing some cool stuff. So, shout out to, to Robert there. Nice. Dustin Gron, JT. Harry, Harry says he's leaving. <laughs> no. Okay. Sakaz. Look at that, man. I'm like, I need to be a linguist. A linguist? I guess. Whatever the pronunciation job is for people that work at dictionary stores and things. Yeah. Yeah. Are you still recuperating from Daytona? Or are we pretty much Oh, yeah. No, to... no, I am I am 100% still recuperating because I went back to work <laughs> that Monday. And uh, I've been procrastinating doing things. And I set the new stuff up. And uh, the two colubrids ate. The Woma has not eaten. So I'm stressing, but That's strange. I'm not stressing. Yeah, I know. And I gave her a live rat pup or excuse me, a live rat pink and nothing. And then I gave her a couple days later, I gave her a live fuzzy mouse and nothing. But you, get, it's so cool, man, because you can see her using that heat pit and like, yeah, like super curious. Investigating. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Super curious. And I caught her basking this morning, which I thought was really weird. I was a little late to work this morning. So like I came out and she was like sprawled out, you know, like all oh, look at me in my banded glory. So, uh, and she didn't look as sickly as I have her envisioned in my mind. So I'm not too worried. I'm probably going to, uh, I'll probably brain a frozen thawed to mm -hmm. see what that does. And then I'll, and then I'll go straight to, uh, frozen thawed Dale quail. We'll see what happens. Making the rounds. Making the rounds. You know how playing it goes. The, doing the dance. Playing the game. Yeah. yeah. Dustin asked, we've been doing any herping? 
I have not. It's been raining like crazy. Oh, yeah, man. Like it's been ridiculous. Apparently there's a a hurricane or tropical storm sort of en route to my neck of the woods. I don't I need to look. It's kind of funny. Like you don't hear about hurricanes around here until people are like, yeah, there's a hurricane. It's supposed to be coming Wednesday. It's like, oh, I should probably look into that. I don't know. I think Labor Day is when I was hearing, but. Oh, I see it. It's it's hard to trust all those trackers and stuff when it's like, by the time it actually gets closer to the coast, like the the actual landfall has like changed and shifted and, you know, it's like supposed to hit Monday. And then by the time Sunday rolls around, they're like, oh, it's not going to be here until Tuesday or Wednesday. And it just constantly gets punted. What's its name? Um, I don't see it. I thought I saw it, and then like the screen went blurry. And to be honest, I don't see anything. I mean, there's Ricky rain. Wilbur. There's rain all over the, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's some good stuff coming off the coast of Senegal, and then you got some stuff that's kind of drifting like out, you know, a billion mm-hmm. miles away from Delaware. But other than that, I don't see anything. So I don't know what the hell they're talking. Nothing about. bad happens in Delaware or yeah, to right. Delaware. Out of all the states, that is legitimately the one that I forget exists the most. <laughs> Pretty sure the people that even live there don't remember that it's there. It's even less it's memorable there. than Rhode Island. <laughs> That's horrible. Which is saying a lot. We love our listeners in Delaware. Don't Please don't think that we don't. Delaware. I'm in Delaware. What's that from again? Wayne's World. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Oh uh, man. Otherwise, yeah, I mean I'm I don't I know a handful of us in the group sort of came back from Daytona with COVID. Whether or not that was something related to the show or the overall venue, who knows? I don't know. I'm uh I felt fine. I'm just I still feel like like tired, like I can't I'm still feeling like I'm playing catch up sort of Physically, I guess I don't. I don't know. I just I've been like sort of out of it, and today being Monday and all, you know, is uh, pretty busy. So, um, you know, Mondays are usually catch up days, and I walk into work and I sit at my desk and I sort of dread the uh, the barrage of emails that's probably waiting for me. So, yeah, I know the feeling. And then it's go time, and it's thank God for Bang. Oh, jeez. Yeah, we have an espresso machine at my work. Thank God for that. And uh, today was like, Monday's always hectic for me. You know, we get a lot of receiving because we don't get packages over the mm-hmm. weekend. But today was just like putting out fires and then like I made mistakes. And then my employer is like, hey, you made mistakes. And I'm like, I know. You just fix them. He's like, you suck. And I'm like, shut up. In so many words. It's good. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. But Mine's we're here. Just, it's like herding cats. You know, it's just there's a million things going on at once. I'm having to sort of do art for, for people's orders and then get some orders started printing and then making sure I'm ordering for other orders that have come in over the weekend. And just there's a lot of moving parts going on at once. It's like a lot like what it's a lot like whack a mole. I get you it. No, it's the but diglet, diglet. Yep. Yep. Uh but Still sort of catching up on, on Snake Room stuff. I've been kind of dragging there a little bit. Um, over the weekend, so we had we had plumbing issues, which if anybody watched the show uh, Wednesday, 
that's kind of when it started. Plumber came out Thursday, f- supposedly fixed what he fixed, and then Saturday it's we had issues again. So pretty much all weekend, my plan was to play major catch up on in the snake room. You know, get cages clean, water bowls topped off and and cleaned out, and that didn't happen. And then Sunday it was like midday that we finally got it sort of squared away and stuff. And I was just like, I'm going to the shop and having a cigar. I just if it has anything to do with these pipes and water, I want nothing to do with them. I just want to go. I just want to get out of the house. So good. I did take care of some all the Bairds. So I did a, a post in the in the Bairds underground group, the secret group. Uh, and something I noticed, I think we've talked about it. I don't know what we've talked about on the show, but I know we've talked about it previously of like, cause you had mentioned it happening with King snakes, but the Bairds, almost all the baby Loma Alta Bairds had filled their bowls up with substrate. And so I kind of, when I was saw that, cause it was just the Bairds, like the single stack of babies, like it was Is just that care fresh or Aspen Aspen. Okay. Yeah, that's, it's usually Aspen. We had talked about that at one point, and you had said you had king sticks that would do it. But I only notice my beards do it. I've never seen any of my other species do it, at least to where it looks intentional like the way they do it. And so I did a I did a post in the in the beards group saying, is anybody else seeing this with, with their beards rats, you know, filling up the bowls? And I think you and I discussed it, and we had mentioned that maybe it was just a humidity thing, like somehow it was meant to like be a help humidity or cut back on it. I don't, I don't know exactly, but I just thought it was interesting because almost everyone else was like, yeah, my beards do it. Pretty much all my Southwest stuff does it. Yeah. So I thought that was, that was really interesting. Yeah, man. A, it's it's cool that you somewhere. It's cool that you got to experience it. I mean, it's annoying as hell, right? But I feel like there's, okay. You can open a tub because most of us keep our, baby colubrids in tubs just because it's easy and it's convenient um and they do great in tubs anyway right they're baby colubrids well i've noticed that with all the lamper peltas that i've got they they throw the aspen in the bowl and they flip everything over so like let's say i have the black plastic hide it's always flipped upside down and if there's a paper towel roll that like i put like under the substrate so there's like a hole in one end and a hole in the other oh that thing's uprooted and all flattened out and weird and whatever and i realized that they those things being flipped over is because they're they're colubrids and they're they're they don't care they just knock things over right but i really feel like the aspen in the water bowl is to soak it up because there might be too much humidity which doesn't quite make sense because you think about how soupy and gross and like it blows up with the moisture you know what i mean yeah well, but, too, that's the odd thing, too, is I notice with Baird's very similar to Popwin carpets. Right. Like, mine will spend a ton of time in their water bowls for no reason. Like, they don't have mites. There's nothing else wrong. But they hang out in their water bowls more than any other rat snake I've kept. Really? Which is just, it's it's just bizarre because they don't come from an area that has a ton of water sort of sitting around <coughs> for them to just perch up in and hang out in. So, well, do you think it's like the Gila thing where they they're opportunistic with the water so like if you give a gila monster a bowl big enough for it to sit in it's always going to sit in the water because it doesn't want to waste the hydration that it's got meanwhile it's changing its core temperature and actually making itself sick no because they don't do it constantly i have some animals that are way worse about it than others and even then 
it seems to me now that I'm thinking about it, that it's almost a seasonal thing where I notice they like, usually in spring, it seems like they'll spend a lot more time sitting in their water bowl. And like, I will have to empty it and leave it empty for a day or two just so they can dry out and not be in it. Okay. And I'm not seeing any skin issues. I'm not seeing any, you know, blistering or anything like that. It's just, it's bizarre how much they like hanging out in the water bowls. Yeah. And I sent a picture of the, of the baby Lomauta to you. Just with now? The, with the filled up water bowl. Yeah. Uh, text or Facebook? Facebook. Okay. And if anybody is on Facebook and is not in the Baird's Underground group, hit me up. If you want to be added to it, it cannot be found because it is secret. Okay, let's share this. Share screen. Yeah, I never had Alterna do it. So I never noticed it with Alterna. It's it's straight up just a Baird's thing. And it's that's what you that's what it looks like. I open up every tub and they just have it yeah. shoved in there. And it's it's I feel like it's intentional because the substrate, if it were just random, like that substrate would be all pushed over to the sides and like yeah, sort of yeah. all over the place, and this is very much like very deliberate. It was just there. Yeah, I don't. It's interesting to think about, but now let me ask you this: Do you only have the uh, the paper towel roll in there, or as a hide, or no? Um, some of them have have other options, not just the paper towel roll. But okay, because I've noticed yeah. that the Negrita will flip their black plastic hide over and then use it as like a flat spot. And if they don't flip the hide over, they'll push all the substrate. And at first, I thought this was the, the tub's too hot, but it's not. They push all the substrate to the hot side, and then they sit on the bare naked tub on the bottom. No, Alex, you do not have to have bears to be in the group. You just have to love bears. This is very true. I'm, devote, I'm pretty sure I'm in the de- group. <laughs> devote your soul to them forever and eternity. And you know what? I'm going to stop the screen share. I'm going to go look at those Negrita and take a picture. And see if they did it because I just cleaned them out like yesterday. Hang on. Yeah, be, I don't. It's right just back. odd. And I guess while Phil's doing that, uh, I'll mention they uh, the ones that I if I give them a humid hide, especially younger ones, I notice that they spend a lot of time sitting on top of it. They don't even necessarily go in it, but they almost enjoy or almost take a lot of advantage of any sort of like shelf space anything that's like off the substrate they seem to really enjoy hanging out on uh i've given mine humid hides they do spend time in them especially when they're going into a shed uh not to the extent of like the deones or the corns but they they will use them but i find they spend more time sitting on top of them than they do actually in them so maybe there's something to be said for having another sort of surface even if it's like level with the the aspen it doesn't seem to really matter to them they just like that space uh it's just bizarre. I don't. I'll pull up some of the answers, some of the responses from folks. So Brendan Meyer said, "All mine do it as well. No idea why." Um, we had mine do it also, and my Subak and Bulls do it too. One thing that comes to this is from Dusty Rhodes, actually. Uh, one thing that comes to mind is that bears, rat snakes, or Sky Island snakes. Some of the bear die down in Mexico or in tropical mountainous areas. There's more humidity no matter where they're from at those higher elevations or in bat caves in the desert. Uh, John Laster said, I have kings that do it. My bears have not yet. Uh, Connor Wardle, all of my Texas rats and Appalachian colon kings do this. Haven't noticed it with any other animals I keep. 
ish that his pairs does his pair do it. Um, Jeff Snodgrass, my beard, I do this all localities of them, but I've noticed my other Southwest rat snake subox Rosale Rosalie and Centicolis do it, but not my dry mark on, but my dry mark on are much worse as are my heloderma. And Mike Cameron said one of mine religiously flips its water bowl, which I found if I don't keep them on particulate substrate, they totally will flip their water bowl every chance they get. So, Well, <laughs> uh, JT's Northern Pines do it. Keller said, stop pushing the water bowl down in the substrate. See if they try to fill it up if it's not level, which is a good. Yeah, that is. A good and a, a lot of that, though, is from them just moving around and it creates that sort of like little racetrack around the outside. And so it does naturally sort of like mound up in the middle. But I don't know. I'll try that. The only reason I sort of do bury it is because there's not a ton of clearance in those 96 ounce tubs. But Jake did find a 194 ounce tubs at Dollar Tree that are perfect for baby Bairds because Bairds come out big. So I'm going to switch them over to those at some point, and we will see if that makes a difference or not. But well, I just checked on the Negrita, and they are like freaking clockwork. So <laughs> this is a perfect representation of what we were just talking about. Um, there's the male. And remember how I say that like they don't they don't sit on the hot side they bury the hot side and then sit on the cool side with like mm -hmm. on the f clearly he's not doing it clearly he wants to get warm tonight but you see how he flipped the hide over and obviously there's the water bowl and uh, and maybe it's because I have so much aspen there but they burrow through it so much I just I want to give them enough to you know do what they got to do and then here's the female and she shed. <laughs> So I'm wondering if that was caused because she was shedding, you know, or maybe she shed and was like, okay, I don't need the humidity anymore. Fill that bitch in. But I mean, she looks good, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't see mine. Don't, I don't notice any difference if they're in a shed cycle or not. It just seems like if you give them the opportunity to destroy things or rearrange how they see fit, then they're going to do it. So, yeah, man, that snake is midnight, isn't she? Yeah, oh. but uh, Dusty Rhodes brought up a good point in that comment section. I just read it, but you were inside, so I'll read it again. Oh, yeah, please um, do. Let me find it again. Uh, he said, one thing that comes to mind is that Baird's rats are Sky Island snakes. Some of the Baird eye down in Mexico are, are in tropical mountainous areas. There's more humidity no matter where they are from those higher elevations uh, or where they're from at those higher elevations or in bad caves in the desert, so... Valid points. Yeah. Very. And he would know. Yeah. 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 Little awesome Baird's group, man. Yeah. And you know what? Come now that Keller's mentioned putting the, the water dish on top of the aspen. I'm wondering if I don't know how I could do this. I wonder if I mean it might not work. If I got one of those, you know, arboreal gecko feeding dishes with the suction cup mm -hmm. and I stuck that on like the side above the substrate and put water in that. And then they, I think they just pushed it out. You think they just push it out? Probably. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. And now see now. I, now I really wish I had 
seen or looked at her before she shed and see if the water was there. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh student it's strange. Serpent. It's um I don't know what uh I set bull. See, and that's someone said, you know, they set bulls on substrate not resistant to it and I would think that it was just them moving around and pushing stuff in if it were like a couple of flakes here and there, which I do sometimes get. Yeah. But this is like straight up like filling it. Filled. Yeah. So yeah. I have a it seems like I said, it seems very much intentional. Yeah. And I I don't know. I don't see it in corns. I don't see it in Dion's. I don't see it in any of my pines. Uh the pines, especially the southern, she just she just pushes all her substrate to the back of the tub. But that's because she hangs out at the front and just begs for food all the time. That'll happen. Ryan Cox says that his Mexican hog girls do the same thing. So maybe it is an arid species thing. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, and that's kind of what we thought, too, Brennan, was just to spike the humidity. It's like a wicking sort of effect, I guess. I don't. Well, not that I also... that's what they're, they're doing, knowing that it's wicking, but they it must do something. I don't, I don't know. I, I thought, <clears throat> excuse me. I thought it was, excuse me. I thought it was that, right. The humidity, they're trying to raise humidity by hydrating that substrate. But my Honduran milks that I got from Vic, I have sealed humid hides for them. You know, you take the, the deli cup, you cut a hole in the yep, top and yep. yeah. And they go in there and they live in there and they come out and they get hot and they go back in and they make tunnels through the Aspen but they still bury their water bowl, mm -hmm. but then they'll sit in the humid hide. So I don't see. I mentioned that too, while you were inside, like I have humid hides in with my younger bairds, even my older ones. But I noticed with the younger ones in particular, they spend much more time sitting on top of it than they do actually in it. Yeah. yeah. Like every now and then they'll crawl into it, especially if they're going into a shed cycle. Same with the corns, like the corns sometimes hang out on top of them, but it's like when they go into a shed cycle and they start going blue, they spend that week in that human hide and I don't see them out. Like they're always in there when they're in a cycle. Yeah. So, but the bears in particular, if they're not, they, they just tend to sit on it. Like it's a, like carpets do with shelves. You right. know, you give, you give pop ones and stuff, a shelf, like they yeah. sit on it. Like they like being off the ground for whatever reason, even if it's almost level with the substrate, like they just like to sit on top of something of, of something. So it's just odd. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Keller says he thinks a lot of it is just them pushing through the substrate. Colubrids move around and loose substrate is going to get pushed around. All my pits, water bowls, and cages in general just get thrashed. And Right, that would be one thing, yeah. but like I said, I'm not seeing substrate pushed in like little clear areas on the bottom of the tub where like they had moved things around or something. Like Everything is pretty much intact. They just put a bunch of crap in the water bowl. Well, let me put it this way. My indigos are on... Uh like jungle mix peat moss cypress blend and they have ceramic water bowls not big enough that they could sit in but big enough that if they wanted to fill it like the king snakes are doing they could and they don't they thrash those cages those cages are yeah. destroyed every day but the water bowl is just sitting there perfect so uh, who knows yeah it's interesting like i said i don't see it in my adult animals but the younger ones man they Maybe there's something they know that I don't. Maybe it's just the fact that it's Aspen and maybe they don't particularly like the Aspen. I don't I don't know. I haven't really kept them on anything else. If I keep them on paper towel, they just end up flooding it. So Yeah, agreed. I don't know. 
I love many ways. Come to think of it, I I purposefully set up the baby Woma because it's my first time having a baby Woma. Set the baby Woma up in. I don't know if it was correct. Lucas said it was. Lucas said I did it perfect. So basically, I had a a larger. I think it's like a thirty quart maybe, and I've got a. Uh, what's the material? Like uh, not vinyl. With the resin, I've got a resin rock cave. I got a piece of arced cork flat. Then I've got a mammae humid hide full of swag that's wet and good, no standing water. Then I have a water dish big enough for it to sit in, and it's an aspen. And she has not destroyed anything, nor has she made tunnels. If anything, she's flattened the aspen down and made it get, made it compact. Yeah. And then she just lives in that resin hide, which is uh, over the heat, of course, but. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know like what she would want, you know, give her the options. Um, but she doesn't fill in the water bowl. And I, and I feel like if it, it, that, the going that I picked up at Daytona, that thing destroyed that cage, destroyed yeah. that water bowl. So who the hell? And she's three times the size of him and they have the mm-hmm. same size water bowl. So. Yeah. Who knows? It's something I'm going to keep an eye on. Like, I wonder, I haven't really noticed any, also, I haven't really looked, but if there's any relation to like sexes doing it, if females do it more than males, even at younger ages, haven't really uh, seen that or, or paid be. attention enough. But it'd be interesting to see how it, uh, if anything, if there's anything there. All right. So Robert says, I set it up good. He says, it's uh, exactly how I set mine up, except I use sand mm-hmm. and they love it. Yeah. I, I didn't want to do the sand simply because. The tub that it's in does hold a lot of humidity, and I didn't want it to be like wet sand, yeah, you know. Yeah. Eventually, when she's bigger, and I put her. Dish. Yeah, exactly. It starts to smell and get bacteria, and eventually, when she's bigger, and I'm gonna set her up in like a real, you know, black box. But uh, and then I'll pro- then I'll definitely put her on sand. I cannot wait to get this Aki cage built. I'm just waiting on some uh, some bulb holders and some cages, like cage oh, lamp you do cages bulbs inside. Oh sweet! Are you gonna do a little mesh screens or just leave them loose? No, I'm get, I'm waiting on the cages for the lamps. Oh, okay, cool. Um, just because I've seen them climb on the pro sole that they have now, and not seeming to care if they light themselves on fire through that or not, like I'd rather not let them be able to get in contact with the bulb and itself. But how high? How high are you? First of all, how high is the cage, and then how high are you gonna have the basking site? I'm gonna have the basking site as close to the bulbs as I can safely get it. So right now they're like they have one very concentrated basking spot right under the light, and that's where the hot spot gets like 186. And they'll come out there and they'll like yesterday morning or this morning I turned I'm on sorry, the light. You said 186 degrees Fahrenheit. Yes. Is that like? what it's supposed to be yeah that's crazy yeah and they like that yeah that's That's why it felt so wrong when i was doing that yeah they don't stay there long like this morning i turned on the light or maybe it was yesterday morning i can't remember the whole weekend blur what did you say one we said 136 186 186 maybe 160 something it's one let's just do 160 to be safe that's 71 degrees celsius for those of you who are listening that's crazy. It's, hot. it's like an oven. And that's why I was like, when I put it together and I was like, okay, 
90s too cold for them and they're you know reading all the stuff i was reading and talking to the people who are like yeah man you get like 150 plus and i was like are you sure because i was like that's gonna make the entire cage like a freaking freaking oven yeah legit. But sure as shit i turned on the light the other morning and that female came right out onto that branch right under that spot chilled there for you know as it was warming up probably was sitting there for about five or ten minutes and then she went on about her day but awesome yeah, awesome. it's, it's insane. So that's this wild. one's going to be interesting. This one's going to have two lamp holders, so basically two bulbs, and then it's going to have the UV that's going to go at least half the length of the cage. Um, and I have some bigger pieces of wood that I got at Daytona. So my plan is is kind of do what I have now and have uh, you know, get it as close to that that bat like have that concentrated basking spot and get it as close to that bulb as I can safely. Yeah. Uh, it definitely is a little concerning. Um, it's a little worrisome to to you know make sure that nothing's nothing will move and nothing will hit that bulb and then sit on that bulb and you know. see that's and like I don't want to put thoughts in your mind, but I feel like if all right, let's say the bulb is ten inches away from the basking site, okay, mm-hmm. and obviously we know they can jump ten inches, right? We're just using easy numbers here. I feel like if an Aki jumped on the bulb, it would A, slide off, or B, try and scamper up it and try and get to like the fixture and then probably realize, holy crap, this is hot. I got to get out of there. But I feel like when you have the cage on there, I feel like that's just something for them to hang on to and then just scorch themselves. And maybe they will and they'll warm up like they do and then they'll hop off and go do whatever they're doing. But it's just, okay. I, I would, I'm, I have more, I'm more comfortable having that there because I'm also thinking like bugs and stuff, crickets and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Um what species? So we're, I'm talking about my Ackies, my Aki cage. But now you guys all know why my room is at a nice ambient like 80 yeah. degrees because <laughs> Yeah. All my heating elements in my room are turned off except for that Aki cage. Like none of my racks are on. None of my cages are hooked up to heat now. Like I just I let it run, so I <laughs> so, you, What do you mean? What do you mean it's not 186 degrees in Australia, Scott? <laughs> He would know. He would know. Just because he lives there? (laughs) Yeah, and I'm sure it will be... Once I figure out... Once I grab the bulbs that I need for that cage, it's it's probably not going to be that hot. I will probably see if I can get it down, you know, a couple degrees. Still keep it in triple digits, but definitely not that high. And, um... We're going to be working. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be a much different dynamic because it's a much bigger cage. I mean, right now they're in a 40 quart equivalent, 50 quart equivalent. No. 50 gallon equivalent. I'm sorry. It's a 200 okay. quart tub. Yeah. Uh, 50 gallon sounds yes. more like it. Yeah. Um, and so when I'm taking that and at, at least doubling it, uh, you know, that those temperatures aren't going to be the same. It's going to be a little more stable. It's not going to be as sort of funneled down into the the one spot but yeah i mean they've been doing fine though i mean they're doing their thing every morning and it's good chasing it's good. bugs and it's real good sleeping uh chris earlier asked how i liked the cave geckos and they're freaking awesome yeah man glad to hear it i like that i can i can hold them and they don't spaz the the fuck out and like try to take off it's true and you got them from jake right yeah they came I feel from like, paint shab. No, I, I know Chris produced them, but I just felt like 
I felt like they just weren't Jake. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah, I, I, just, was, I don't when, see it, when him. he told me he was getting him, I was surprised because I was like, as much as he talks about how much he doesn't want to deal with bugs, then all of a sudden he's like, "Yeah, I got cave geckos coming from Chris." And I'm like, "Really?" He's like, "Those are actually really cool." But he had four, so he had a male and three females. Um, he got four of them on sex from Chris. They were too small to to determine anything, so he got those. Turns out to be one point three. Uh, for whatever reason, the male rolled. And so now I have three females and I'm going to get talk to Chris about getting another male, but cool. Scott says he found hundreds of Ankinthophis never found rocks at over 55 degrees Celsius. I can believe that. What is that in American? Damn it. Uh, like a hundred and hold on. Like 110. What? Hold on. Yeah. I've been really bad with my conversions lately. So bear with me. Hold on. 131. I was close. Yeah. So, I mean, 186 is a little hotter. Not by much, right? A lot. It's hotter <laughs> by a lot. <laughs> uh, it's just that one. It's literally like probably a three-inch area, four-inch area on a branch. That's that 186, just so everyone I'm not. Yeah. They're not, their whole ambient cage is in 186, but. And Rob Christian's in the chat, and he's saying, you know, when he lived in Massachusetts, they would go out on an 87-degree Fahrenheit day, and they would temp gun the rocks where the copperheads were, and it was 124 degrees Fahrenheit, which that that, that makes a little more sense. You know? I'm and more the, surprised that they get 87-degree days up in Massachusetts. but uh, Dude, it gets hot up there, especially in summer. But I was going to say is when we were in Arizona, and we were on the, like, the rock taluses, and we would see the um, scoloperus running around, and it would be like 87 ambient and the rocks that they were running around on and like basking and hunting and like chilling, those were 154. So who knows? And that was at 7,200 feet of elevation. And Australia is hell, depending on who you ask. That is true. I think of the Terry Phillip theory in reverse. Just because a piece of steel on a 45 degree day, 65 degrees does not mean you'd have it in the cage. Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. I'm not. Yeah. Look, man. Yeah. Look here, Iper. I read what I read and I set up my cage accordingly. My Aggies are happy, but they're Aggies. They're like the roaches of the lizard world. Like, you, if there was ever nuclear fallout, Ackies, Dollar Generals, Waffle House, Roaches, probably Keith Richards would be the only thing still roaming the planet. Definitely Keith Richards out of all those things. Yeah, him sitting there by himself serenading the Roaches with a guitar. I think he'd just kind of get up and saunter around like a zombie, which is pretty much his existence now. But I'm convinced, side note, if we want to know the secret to human immortality, we take Keith Richards' DNA and we take the DNA from Jennifer Aniston and then you have the secret to living forever and also not aging. Which I know there's cosmetics involved in the not aging part. Yes, yes. Oil of Olay. For the most part, I have a hard time believing that it's just cosmetics that have caused her to not really age. Like, there's, there's got to be some some decent genes there, I would think. But. I would imagine. 
side note. So side note, side note. But yeah, man, the cave geckos are freaking sweet. Their eyes are just ridiculous. Like they're, you have to see it in person to fully sort of. Oh yeah. I, I don't know how to describe it, but it's like they're 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 freaking dinosaurs. They're little tiny raptors. All right, now who's got cooler eyeballs, chondros or cave geckos? Cave geckos. I'll agree. I'll agree. Now, I, I mean, when we're talking about putting them up against like gargoyle eyes or chihuahua eyes, that's that's a tough one. Uh, I've seen both... some gargoyle eyes that are pretty freaking cool. Yeah, you, I'll give you that one. I'll give you that. And one. probably some uh, Europlatus. Some of those um, fantastic eyes yeah. are pretty cool looking too. And like Sikore and like those Henkelai, like just. Yeah, uh, but the Europlatus. I feel, yeah, but they're alien looking. But I feel like the Europlatus eyes don't have the crypticness. Of the cave geckos. I mean, those cave gecko eyes are trippy. Kind of. They also have sort of this like, like they're awake and they're sort of like moving, but when you pick them up, they just kind of freeze. <clears throat> Has that been, I don't know if that's been your experience with them, but when I hold them, they just kind of sit there and like they're just staring and it's like the lights are on, but no one's home. It's like, <laughs> they're like, yeah, I'm alive and I'm breathing and I'm staring, but you don't exist. Uh, well, they yeah, do the same thing. Have the coolest reptile eyes, hands down. I agree with Rob there. They, they do the same thing that uh, Triblonotus does. It sits there and goes, "Oh my god, it can't see me! It can't see me! He's not going to eat me if I don't move! It can't see me!" It's like it's like reverse T Rex. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, you never seen that when you pick up a Triblonotus and it just sits there and does nothing because it's freaked the hell out. Mm-mm. Yeah. And then people are like, oh, it likes me. It's sitting in my lap. I'll sit and watch TV with it. And then the minute no, they like get literally comfy, paralyzed with fear. Yeah, literally paralyzed with fear. And the minute they sit on the lazy boy, boo, gone. So. Strophurus. Oh, oh Strophurus. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's a good eyeball. That's a damn good eyeball. Scott said that's his point. Just because some guy wants the hottest basking site and an acanthus survives does not mean. That's what's needed from a husbandry perspective. Yes, you are correct, Scott. We concur. That was me repenting. There you go. You're like the dude in the... What's that Tom Hanks movie, The Da Vinci Code? The albino guy that was like... Oh, yeah. shit out himself? Yeah. I just think of Monty Python where the the monks are hitting themselves in the head with Bibles or like planks of wood. (laughs) But the uh, man, the cave geckos, though, after sort of doing more digging and stuff just on that genus as a whole because you know i've talked about the japanese cave geckos because manny and and uh david had some on their table oh yeah was it daytona two years ago yeah, yeah we saw some and i was like yeah. dude that is like the coolest it looks like freaking darth maul as a gecko it first was of all. yeah man so that's the most badass looking thing i've seen in a long time and so like after looking more into the genus and and reading more about it and watching more videos on it and stuff there's like the the yamashine like those are really freaking cool. Yeah, dude, and big money too. Oh, really? Those Yamashina? Yeah. Because I was looking around, I was like, okay, like if I'm yeah. if I'm gonna go down this hole, I'm just at least have an idea of what's going on here. I mean, I, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure they paid like six hundred dollars a gecko. Like they were steep. I could See, be wrong. which is surprising because I went back and read Rob Hoke's article that he did on Chinese caves for the magazine. Right. And uh, he 
talked about just how easy they were to breed. And so it's like, is it, is it really that difficult with the other species to get them to? No, I just think that people don't have an availability thing. Yeah. I think it's kind of like Nephris where they only produce, you know, two eggs at a time. And if you're lucky, you'll get more than two clutches a season, you know? Yeah. Cause I mean like dude, doing all my Nephris research, like there's cases of Stellatus and Levisimus in Australia having produced like five clutches in the season. Hmm. And like, I can't get like, wow. mom, that one I got to take the meatloaf. I want it now. Carthodactylus. All right. I got to catch a glimpse of these warlocks. I don't know. I'm not, I don't want to go crazy on the cave gecko thing. I just think it's really interesting that it's another one of the groups in the hobby where there's, one or two species that get a ton of attention and then there's a ton of others that no one does anything with and they're way cooler than the ones we have so he lives g'day there you go goatee in all its glory beautiful beautiful just like me it's good man are you going to germany yeah man i'm going to germany in like seven days Nice. So I'm fucking absolutely amped, fucking around with mambas and rattlesnakes and cobras and all sorts of cool shit. So all the, all the stuff you can't. Already, play with I've already there. got the hookup organised. So, so yeah, planning on fucking around with some crazy animals. So, so I want to know uh, what's what's not? the basking temperature for ackies over there in the in the homeland. Um. So generally speaking, on a 40-degree day, the rocks are about 55. But you're not seeing them out during the middle of the day. You're seeing them out early in the morning. Right. And so they're doing a lot of cryptic basking. Right? So they, they're shuffling under a piece of tin or under a rock or whatever, and they're coming out and getting partial sun and getting partial exposure. But then they're not usually running around at, at stupidly hot temperatures all the time. Mm-hmm. It's one of those... Um, I reckon it's one of those things that people do just to go, oh, I've got the fucking hottest, hottest animals and this is why, you know, it's fucking a load of shit. But look, you can keep them that way. It's just not necessarily the best thing. As I'm sort of what I was saying before with Terry Phillip, Terry Phillip sort of famously said, you know, you can put snow in your fucking cages, but that doesn't yeah, mean you should. Yeah. Right? Talking, it's the same uh, thing. Very rattlers. Exactly right. So, my point is, is that yeah, okay, there might be parts of the Australian environment that, on a forty-five degree day, are uh, in the mid to high seventies. You know, we have issues with our roads melting in summer over here, um, where the asphalt literally starts to liquefy again because it gets that fucking hot. Um, but that's not to say that that's your normal environment all the time. You know. Um, there's certainly there's certainly hot hot parts of our environment, but that's not what it is all the time. And the animals are usually sheltering away from that fucking thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, if you're night, what's the nighttime drop like? What, um, what's the swing? Oh, look, about? in summer, 27, 28, 29, overnight low. Wow. 
she's still fucking warm. Like it's yeah, warm at night. Yeah. Um. So you know, and there's a there's a fair bit of nocturnal there's a fair bit of nocturnality going on with um some of our varanids as well, like spotted tree monitors, varanus scalaris, panoptes, Spencer Eye, uh, Tristus, Bleba Palmer, Mertens, all of that stuff's active at night. Mm-hmm. Certainly in the early evening. Um, you know, there's records of Panoptes eating at, you know, one o'clock in the morning, eating roadkill. So, so for people who don't um, know, that, that nighttime low he's saying at 27 degrees Celsius is roughly 84, 85 degrees Fahrenheit. So. Yeah. Which is, which is yeah, warm. Not 27 is, degrees Fahrenheit. That, yeah, I mean, that's, that's like the hot spot of, or how the max that I usually want to keep most of my snakes at during the day, let alone... I mean, my Aki's so get a decent drop at night because I all the lights and everything go off at night, so they get a nice cool down. But then in the morning, yeah, but that's like a, that's four in the morning, right? That's two, four in the morning, five in the morning before the sun comes up, right? That's down to down to twenty-seven, right? By six o'clock in the morning when the sun's out again, right? It's already thirty-four, thirty-five, thirty-six. Yeah. You know, um, it just depends on the ackies too, right? Not all ackies are from the same places. Um, depending on where your ackies are from, will will give you a bit of a, a difference in your temperature swings and you know the relative humidity and all the rest of it. I mean, they're also a complex as well. Um, you know, the uh, that golf animal came out of it that was just been recently described, Citrinus, Varanus Citrinus has come out of the golf population. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what was called Beridji is no longer Beridji anymore. It's now Insulanicus. Um, so they're the ones that live up in the top end. But there is still some some population structure in the eastern and western forms. Um, not enough to designate as different species or even subspecies, but there is something going on there. So... Well, as far um, as like the reds and the yellows, is that pretty much is that just that's a, a load of phen- shit. is that just a phenotype that's just thing? Fucking bullshit. That's that's like fucking people talking about diamond pythons and saying, "Oh yeah, I can I can look at this diamond python in the states and go, oh yeah, I think this is a diamond python." It's <laughs> fucking rubbish. It's not is there actually? So Kaufman did his Aki video a while back. And he mentioned that there's a population, I guess, an insular population that's like black almost or darker. Yeah, so he's he's referring to those insulanicus animals um, oh, okay. Okay. that are now that are now removed from that and now placed in Virigi. So, um, uh, so sorry, they they no are no longer a subspecies of Acanthurus, and they're now a full species in Ararat. And they incorporate what was Brandis Bridgie as well. Gotcha. So um, there are there are quite a beautiful lizard, um, mm-hmm. but they're just not. Yeah, I, I don't think the temperatures that people subject them to is is completely right. And the reality of it is, if they had their enclosure that temperature across most of it, um, they would cause some pretty significant harm to their animals. Um, I, I would be concerned. I mean, 
you wouldn't want to put your hand on a hot plate at 70 degrees Celsius. You, you're looking at fucking burns. Yeah. yeah. Not yeah. quite instantaneously, but pretty close, damn close to being instantaneous on your skin um, at that temperature. Um, I would be very, very cautious in putting anything on that. Um, because you've got to remember too, right, that the way pain works in reptiles is not the same as the way pain works in uh, in in people either, right? So you want a temperature a temperature zone that is made up not only of um, it can't just be infrared C, and that's what they're going to be getting radiating up off the base of that basking spot. Mm-hmm. You're getting no IRB or IRA from the the rock or the branch that you've got in there. You're only getting IRC, right? Which yeah. Is incredibly hot, but it's got basically no penetrative qualities to it. What you're really wanting is IRA and IRB, uh, and both of those have come from. They don't. They're not really in the visual spectrum of light, so you'll get a, a dull glow from from red. So if you're going to set up a basking spot that's really effective for, for large monitors, you want something that's going to penetrate that heat into them. And you need that IRB and IRA qualities to do that. Um, and, you know, that's where the use of um, globes, for the most part, unless it's the right type of globe, is not really going to do what you need. And that's how you get these these superficial burns on these animals because they're, they're sitting there in on the heat for too long and it's generating a burn on the surface while they're not getting that that penetrative heat quality to it, which is registering the animals that then move off the heat spot. Yeah. Um, and that's why you see things like lace monitors with burns on their fucking back from glows. Mm-hmm. It's not because... Well, it's like sunburn. It like, you don't know heat. you're being burnt until the damage is done. Yeah. Yeah, and the the issue then becomes is that because it's so, so quick to cause that burn, um, people just don't realise that that's what's happened to happen. And... You know, reptiles are really good at masking pain. It's It might be two months down the track before you actually see the actual damage that's been done because when it goes to shed, it's shedding off scar tissue and you've got this open fucking wound. Um, you know, we, yeah, it, for, that, the, for that reason, right, that's why we... Sorry, go on. The, the the infrared thing you were talking about, like that's not something that's that's talked about a lot, at least here in the States. I don't know about over there, but... Um, Roy Bloggett of Wellspring Herp, he is super knowledgeable about that. And he, I know him and Jake had a really good conversation about it at one point. And I, we were talking about him writing an article about it um, for the magazine. I told yeah. him, like, you know, the magazine, yeah, it's not around anymore. But, like, we're still putting articles and stuff on the website. So it's like anytime you want to write about that. Because, honestly, I, I'm, I'm not super familiar with it. A lot of it, at least how it sort of works and the differences between them. I know they exist, but that's about it. Um so Roy, well, I know he's he's super knowledgeable about that. So I really want to pick his brain about it and get that information out there if I can. We we spoke about it. We actually speak about it in the uh, shameless book plug in the new Alapid book. We talk about the differences oh, really? between I yeah I R A B and C um, and what heat sources that you can use to actually provide that to your animals and. 
you know, this book that we've done, even though it's on the lapids and the lapid husbandry, it's 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 not just on that. The, the front the front half of the book is two hundred and fifty pages of the some of the most sort of up to date snake management, snake husbandry information that's out there. Right? You know, we're not just talking about um, different methods of heating. We're also talking about how you provide the different methods of heating and why you do it. And then we also talk about things like you know, UV outputs and, and why UV is actually really important for all squamates and not just fucking lizards. Um, and, and, yeah, frankly, you know, that after doing this, we've, we've sort of changed some of the shit that we've done because, you know, the, the science is there. It's quite clear as to what you should be doing. And, you know, frankly, snakes in tubs doesn't necessarily cut it anymore for people that still want to call themselves reptile lovers. So... Um, I'm not saying that you can't keep snakes in tubs. I'm not saying that you shouldn't keep them in tubs for certain applications and certain things, but Jesus, you know, we can do better. That's, that's probably a better way of phrasing it. Awesome. Hi, Scott. So. G'day, <laughs> Phil. How you going, mate? I jumped in right. because you were too busy to talk to everybody else. Oh, I know. You just sort of left, and you just sort of left young, young Smitty hanging. Uh, I know. Yeah. Well, I always love having you on the show. So, thank you for joining. We were talking about some Aki stuff. No, that's and just I'm... overall natural history ishness of. I love it. That clave. So. Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. So hopefully, you know, all things being equal, within two weeks, I would have caught my first viper. Yeah. yeah. EU bound. Yeah, so you know, I've got, I've got the hot fucking ticket for, for Viper Berris, um, and we may give Aspis a little bit of a, a nudge as well. Um, so that's that's going to be the plan for some, um, for some pretty crazy stuff. Hopefully, um, awesome. We will you see, see any collections we will see. there. Oh fuck yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> you think he's just gonna go to yeah. Germany and sit in a, a freaking hostel the entire time? Like, yeah, yeah no. I know. Man, the, man, there is some. There is going to be some fucking craziness. That's for sure. Uh, and yeah, I, I will be uh, salivating myself with with all sorts of things. One second. It's getting, it's getting pulled over. Hang on, one second. I thought he was going to order like, donuts. Getting a hot coffee. Oh, just fun and games are going on Scott's for military bases. Yeah, Scott's just robbing a bank. So, so, when you go onto a military base, you've got a you've got a special card that you've got to scan in and you know give them a look at them. They got to look at you and go, "Oh yeah, you sort of look like the Muppet in the." In the picture, as long as that's okay, they're they're all right. So nice, um, yeah. So anyway, you know the beauty of the beauty of technology. So love it. Yeah. So yeah, looking. Um, really looking forward to getting over there and and seeing some crazy stuff. And I can't wait to see how some people keep some of the critters. Um, I was talking to to Rob Stone this morning, and um, you know the our, our reptile show over here maybe has. The biggest ones have like fifty vendors. You know, ham has got six hundred. Yeah. So it's gonna be it's gonna be slightly different. Crazy. 
Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Um, how, how many vendors do you guys have at your shows typically? Um, that depends on say, if you're talking like about for a, for a big, big show. Ones, big shows, yeah. Big shows, yeah. what do you think? 150? I mean, if we're talking like big, big, like national, like Daytona and Tinley and stuff, I mean, that's how many was it Daytona when we were just there? When I don't know. They were claiming, see, they were claiming like 400, but I think that's like 400 physical tables, not the actual number of vendors because some vendors had multiple tables. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, 150 sounds. Sounds pretty accurate. I All wouldn't right. be surprised if it was a little. So, more. so according, so according to what you've just said, then ham is a third bigger than that, right? So this ham show, they yeah. say it's the biggest in the world. They're talking, they're, and they're saying anywhere between five hundred and fifty and six hundred uh, stall holders, not not mm-hmm. tables, that's stall right, holders, right. actual vendors. Um, yeah, so. Um, Nipper Reed's put the hard word on tie and basically said you need to videotape Scott when he goes into the venomous room. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I think my mouth's just going to be like, oh, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. So that'll be pretty cool. That'll be pretty cool. Um, if you and hopefully, you know, we get to meet a whole heap of people as well and get to sign some books and, and, yeah. and do all that shit too. You need to, you need to get that so. new Atheris book, man. I need to I'm try and grab me a copy of that. Or, already organized, mate. I'm meeting the author while we're there. We've already oh. <laughs> sort of got it all planned. So I think he's hanging for an elapid book. So we might be doing a bit of a bit of a swapsy type thing and see what we can mm-hmm. work out. Well, I just did so. a rough. I just did a rough estimate of this past Daytona, and it was right around 260 ballpark. That's vendors, not tables. So yeah, okay. It doesn't seem okay. like it's that many when you're there, but yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm I'm sort of keen for the variety as well, and and just keen to see what it's going to be all about. I, oh, I think I it's. I think literally, it's my my little fucking pesky mind is going to explode. So, you know. well, how much traveling have you overload. done? Yeah, right. How much traveling have you done outside of Australia? Fuck all. I've been to Samoa. Wow. I've done some 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 work in Samoa. So yeah, I, we're not we're not taking it lightly. We've got a we're going into Southeast Asia. I mean, I've done plenty in Australia, obviously, but um, we're going into Southeast Asia in March. Uh, so we've got some stuff planned in there, and we're we're seriously considering heading to World Congress of Herpetology in Borneo in 2024 as well. So um, very cool. So we've got a few things on the cards. Um, we want to get out and, and do some shit. You know, if, if COVID hasn't taught us anything, it's um, it's it's get out and snake more, you know. Um, yeah. So that's the plan. So, Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I've got some local trips too. There's a few things that have been a bit pesky I want to knock off and go and see. So, um, yeah, I've got, I've got a couple of things that I need to do over here. So it's just not enough time. It's not enough time. So never is. Uh, but you know, at the same time, that's always the excuse, isn't it? You you say yeah. there's not enough time and yet you still find time to sit back and watch fucking television or do something else that's sort of nondescript and not important. So um I suppose if we're more effective with our time management, we could probably go and do some of these things that we, we always talk about actually doing. So it's true. Um, you know, I got, I got a mate, he turns around, he just buys plane tickets. 
and then he figures it out afterwards. <laughs> I don't know. I, mean, I, I can't. I, that could be the way to do it. I can't understand it, right? Because if you buy a plane ticket, right, you've bought the tickets. The hard part's done. You've already committed. This, this is when you're traveling between here and here. And you've paid for it. So you can either go or you can do your cash. So you're like, fuck it. All right, I'll figure out a way and I'm just going to go. And then you do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe that's what I need to do. Maybe I need to start buying random fucking flight tickets to places that I'm always talking about wanting to go and then just do it. So, um, yeah. I don't know. We've got, we've got a couple other trips planned. We've got, um, we're catching up with the, with some guys from the States. They're going to be out here in October. Um, so we're doing that. Uh, we've got a trip over into Western Australia that we've got to go and do as well in November. So, you know, we're, we're, we're going to be getting around and seeing some critters, which would be good. So Hell yeah, brother. Uh, Hell yeah. Yeah. Plus the local shit, you know, there's, there's always local stuff. Like I'm, we're really lucky. We've got 500 species of herb within five hours of where we are. Wow. Wow. You know? Yeah. So, so there's a few critters around us. Um, That's incredible. Yeah. So there's a lot of critters. So there's a lot of things that are, that are within reach. Um, and, you know, of that 500, I reckon there's probably, there'd have to be 50 or so that I haven't photographed yet. So I really, I should get off my ass and just go out and get some. Go and 490 some. of them are venomous. No, 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 no. <laughs> Most of them are, are very friendly. There's Everything a few in Australia wants now. to kill you. Yeah, except the people. We're all pussies, apparently. You know, <laughs> that's all right. We don't run around with guns. That's the thing. It's it's a it's a very unusual thing. I hear about people going for a herp trip in the US and they're packing their sidearm, and it's like, wow, okay, cool, whatever floats your boat, I suppose. It's awesome. Hundred percent. That's it. America, that's baby. It. Never leave home without it. America. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's it. That's it. Well, you guys go herping with snake hooks. Half the time, we don't go with snake hooks either. You know, we just oh, yeah. run around. These are our snake hooks. These things. Yeah. Bunch of nuts. Figure out. If you need a stick, use a stick. Don't don't just don't get fucking tangled by anything. So, Do you have any strophiers um, native to your, like, immediate area? Um... Uh, Kind of quarter Williams are probably the two closest. They're within as the crow flies. Um, they're about 150 kilometers. So what's that? So 100 miles. Yeah, huh. that's good. That's um, good. So 100 miles. We've got two species of strofe, uh, and then we've got one, two, three, four. There needs to be a book four species there. of Lucasium, three species of Diplodactylus. Uh, five species of Oedura. Uh Within 500 k's, we've got four species of... Oh, sorry, three species of Saltuarius. Four species, five species. Four, five species of Saltuarius. Um, yeah, we've got um, Underwoodosaurus Millie is close, uh, which is probably husband eye, to be fair. Um, Uvidicolis Fyurus is, is here as well, um, fairly close. Um, so we've got some pretty awesome geckos over here. Yeah, um, it just blew my mind listening to, to Burke talk about 
you know, when they were there and they'd see him all like they'd see Strafers all over the place. And of course he was, that was sort of before he got into heavier into the geckos and lizards and stuff. And he just completely like walked by me like, yeah, it's a gecko. Cool. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, if only, right? Oh, it hurts my soul. It's just such a, yeah, cool, well, Rob, such a cool group of geckos. Let's just say Rob, let's just say Rob Stein and I have been talking. I've been helping him, uh, Helping him point out some spots to go. Hey, you should go here. You should go here. You should go here. So, you know, hopefully they'll they'll get on to some pretty interesting looking critters while they're here. So, Hell yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Strophiers are fun. Strophiers are they're, they're good geckos to see. And you know, the fact that they squirt shit out of their tails that that burns your eyes is always funny too. It's Australia, yeah. and it and it stings too. Like it really stings. Yeah, it's fucking shit. Yeah, I got done by a tainer quarter. The first time I ever got done by a tainer quarter, I was like, oh, I can't be that bad. And like, the the strands go like this far, like from fucking, um, you know, yeah, fourteen, fifteen inches sort of thing. They'll they'll spray. Yeah. And so I was holding this gecko, looking at this gecko, and next thing, shoo, and just all over the side of my face. And I was like, what the fuck? And I went like this as a moron. And as soon as I did, uh, I just rubbed it straight into my eyes. And I was like, uh, oh. And then my whole eye all fucking blew up on that side. And yeah, no, nah, it was not fun. Eh? What? what is it that they spray? I mean, is it like, it's not a venom. It's a fluid. Spider-Man. No, well, it's, it's technically it's a poison. Yeah, because it's absorbed. It's a, it's an irritant, right? So on your skin, where it's on your skin, you'll get like little red marks and shit like that. Um, is, it, is it similar to and, like nu- nuchal glands in Rhabdophus? So th- this is why re- this is actually why Tanacorda and some of the other strophes have got those in- those really interesting looking um, sort of patterning on the tails. Is it's, it's basically like it's an it's a um, and a prosmatic uh, warning to say, hey, this is not something yeah. to fuck with, right? And oh. so Tana Quarter have got that big orange stripe down their tail, and what does orange mean in nature? Why are you going to have a gecko that's all completely grey with little black flecking living on grey bark, and then you've got this bright orange piece of fire on the end of its tail? Yeah. Right? It, it's saying, it's <laughs> saying, fuck you, don't eat me, I will hurt you, Right? And awesome. yeah, sure enough, that's what they do. And like when you look at the tails, the tails have actually got. I'd love to actually the next dead one I see on the road, I might cut the tail in half and see if see if there's actually like little glands all the way along the tail. I'm assuming there is. Um, yeah. Next dead one yeah. I find, I'll cut I'll cut the tail open and I'll have a look. That'll be a bit of fun. That's awesome. Just so, imagine, Phil. Yeah. So we have the anolis all over the place here. Swap those out with strophes. I know, right? Oh it's God. Just... Oh. I know. So, yeah, I know so it's we've got the opposite over there, but it's like, oh, it hurts. It's just so we have. So in our backyard, we've got two resident. Like in our backyard right now, we've got two resident eastern blue tongues. We've got one in the front yard, one in the backyard. The dogs just lay down next to them. They don't give a shit. Um, we've got water dragons. We've got velvet geckos running around on the on the walls. Um, Carpet python in the shed. Um, you know, we'll have brown snakes and red belly blacks cruising through the property as well. Um, green tree snakes cruise through the property. Um, and we're a fucking suburban house. Wild. 
Blue tongue skinks are their raccoons. <laughs> Legit. They're awesome. They are fucking awesome. And, and honestly, like the dogs just lay down with them. They don't care. They're, they're not friends. The blue tongues aren't scared of the dogs, and the dogs aren't scared of the blue tongue. So it's it's, it's cool. Meanwhile, well, I'm sitting here that's, that's watching the hemidactylus in the wall. Yeah. Oh, we get hemidactylus on the wall as well. But you know, every now and then it's it's cool because you know hemidactylus are sitting on the wall and then suddenly they're not anymore because a brown tree snake or something like that's cruised along and just gone, ah, thank you very much. And they've awesome. cleaned them up. I'm, I'm literally watching one now wiggle his tail. And, oh, if only you were Ordura. My usual one that's hanging up behind the sign is not out this evening. Oh, okay. Uh, have you found that not many things like eating hemidactylus? Yeah. Really? I don't think I it's find that they don't of, I eat find them. lots of I find lots of things that aren't a big fan of eating them, eh? I, I think it's they don't want to catch something that's on the wall, like on the glass. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if I held it on, yeah. on hemostats, they would eat it. But, like, if they have to get it on glass or on the side of an enclosure, they're, they're not going to go for it. At least not my yeah. stuff. I want to take another There's, um, making a, getting a colony of them going for feeders. We have two, two species here now that are established, unfortunately, in mainland Australia now. So we've got Garnotti, which is the fox gecko, and now we've got and we've got Frenatus. Um, and then on Christmas Island, uh, we've got Parva maculatus and another one. I can't think of the other one. Uh, Planiceps, maybe, or something like that. Uh, so there's there's four species of Hemidactylus now that have been found, naturalised, established colonies in Australia. So pretty shit. But anyway, I mean, we've got corn snakes. Corn snakes are feral here, so. You know, yeah, like yeah. to what extent is that? Is it like a thing now where people are finding them on a semi regular basis, or is it? Yeah, people are finding them all. Like, so our, our field guide was the first guide to have them, and then the reptiles of New South Wales, reptiles of Queensland, and reptiles of Australia field guides now have also incorporated corn snakes into it as well. Wow. So we've we, we bit the bullet. We, we basically were the first ones to bite the bullet and go, look, you know, the, the dirty little secret, yeah, it's real. They're here. They're established. And, you know, you talk to the snake catchers down in Sydney and, and other places, they're not, their numbers aren't going down every season. They're catching more and more every season. So, See, and that's but, kind of surprising given how many snake eaters you have there. Yeah. You would think exactly. that it wouldn't be that much of a concern because it's like, look, we've got enough uh, – you know, Sudecus and other stuff to, to eat these, like yeah, but they the, really doing not... that much damage. I guess is the kind of the question. So this is the thing, right? That's the one thing that we need to start doing. So at the moment, they're all getting knocked on the head, and then they're getting incinerated. Um, what we really need to be doing is we need to be catching them, knocking them on the head, and then cutting them open and seeing what they're eating. Right. Um, because at the moment, we we know that they're in. They're in the environment, but we don't know what damage they're doing, right? So if we cut them open and we start seeing that they're eating, you know, small mammals or they're eating birds or they're eating birds' birds' nests and things, uh, birds' eggs or something like that, then that's potentially going to be an issue for us. Um, mm -hmm. You know, our animals obviously sort of know how to deal with snake, snake predators, so to speak. Um so that it's not like the, the fauna isn't going to have 
sort of some defences against it. Um, but at the same time, what impact? Who knows? Um, they seem to be very fecund. They seem to be able to produce multiple clutches every year, oh, yeah. which is not something many of our snakes tend to do over here. Um, brown snakes will produce up to two or three clutches a year, depending on how much food's provided and all the rest of it. Um, but that doesn't tend to happen, it seems, doesn't seem to happen all the time during uh, around Sydney. So where these corn snakes seem to be are in, in pretty big numbers. So, you know, hmm. I suppose we'll see. Time will tell. Just, yeah, it just seems like a species that would be, to me, it seems like it would be fairly benign for the most part. You know, if anything, yeah, but prime food for everything else. But I can see the bird thing being an issue because they, I mean, they are, they don't mind. Yeah, but at the same, t- at the same time, though, right? So most of the climbing, climbing snakes that we have here, with the exception, evilapids that, that do some some climbing, they don't climb heaps, but they do climb a little bit. Most of our our arboreal colubrids uh, are lizard feeders, lizard yeah. and frog feeders. Um, brown tree snakes are the exception that they obviously eat eat birds, but they they're nocturnal. Corn snakes seem to be a bit a little bit more cathemeral, where they'll be active during the day and at and at night. Um, and then you know, so there here we are. We've got this diurnal arboreal snake predator um, that is a little bit different to what we've got got to deal with now so that might have some impact but until we start cutting open and looking at gut contents where it's all pissing in the wind we're not really going to know what's going on so yeah yeah how but long yeah. do they know oh, how long well, they've, they've been there like has that been something that people have been sneaking in there for decades or is it a fairly recent sort of thing they seem to they seem to have really established much more in the last 20 years you know, there's always been people smuggling shit into Australia. It's 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 it's, it's like everything, right? Like yeah. People want what they can't fucking have. Um, it's the same reason shit gets smuggled out of Australia is the same reason that she gets smuggled in, is because you can't, you don't have a legal means to do it, and people still want to do it, so they break the law. You know, it's a horribly irresponsible thing to do. Um, you know, I'd, I'd have no problem with with legal exportation of, of Australian wildlife if it was controlled and managed properly. But um, you know, the importation of stuff for private means, fuck, that's a whole another can of worms and a whole mm-hmm. other thing of hurt that could really sort of happen. So, you know, um, yeah, you know, but it's not going to happen anytime soon. Neither neither way is going to happen anytime soon. They're not going to legalise it. That's for sure. That's yeah. not the way governments seem to go. They seem to they want to um, prevent people from doing more things. They don't want to make things easier for people to do. So, you know, might be different in the states, but it seems that's the way over there as well. You know? Oh yeah, oh right. yeah. Well, you know, the day that yeah. Australia opens export will be the day that the United States closes import. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. When everywhere is saying that no, you can't import anything, then Australia might turn around and go, "Yeah, you can have anything you want." You know? yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. We think it's time. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, it's you know the the bigger business that that the the captive wildlife keepings becomes, um, the more chance that 
you know, there's an industrial aspect to it that could potentially argue from a business point of view that this is not a this is not a couple of guys keeping animals, weird guys keeping animals in the back of a shed. This is a, a, a multi-billion dollar industry. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. Anyway. All right, mate. I'll leave you with it. You have a good time. And uh, I won't talk to you before Germany, but I'm sure you guys will get to laugh at me going a bit crazy while I'm over there. Love it. Enjoy. Can't wait. All right. Be safe, everyone. See you. Later. Bye. Always a pleasure. Hyper. So excited for their new book. It's going to be so awesome. Yeah, yeah. Now, especially him mentioning, you know, how much they go into that's applicable to to everything. You know, I'm definitely going to have that on the list. And that Atheris book has got to happen, man. Like, that's the book I've been waiting on. Not that one in particular. I'm just waiting on a Atheris-specific book. Yeah. For my entire life, well, not my entire life, but since Smitty was a was a was but a boy, a wee lad. But it's also kinda... cool because that one has pictures from Alex England. Yeah, which is how I found out about it in the first place because Alex has a ton of pictures of, of some of his stuff in there on the squams and whatnot. And well, I don't want to I don't want to brag just yet, but yours truly may have a few photos in that book. Oh, just really? saying, yeah. Just a couple. What to say? I and the other stuff that you like over the years, or what? No, not the others book. Scott and Ties. Oh, oh! I was like, what? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, that'd be freaking sweet, man. Yeah. So that is something though that I was. Yeah, I was telling Scott, like, you know, Roy Bloggett knows all about the infrared stuff and whatnot, and um, I've really wanted him to. He talked about doing an article on it at some point, and it just hasn't happened yet. But I know Jake's picked his brain on it, and Jake was was really surprised um, about it overall. You know, it's not something that I don't know about you, but I don't hear really anything about how all that works. So, no, no, I actually uh, I picked up uh, Underground started. Um, let me formulate the sentence. Excuse me. Underground started carrying a new line of products from another company, and the name is eluding me, and I feel horrible that I can't remember the name now, but regardless, it's like a Zoomed, like an Exoterra. It's like the third competitor, right? Like a Zilla, fourth competitor. No, 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 no. And um, very, very similar products. In fact, one might say that the uh, factory overseas is double dipping, if you catch my drift. Mm. Um, But they came out with a UV index reader that they were giving away in Daytona and it's a card like a credit card oh. and it's kind of like a it's kind of like a mood ring where right. uh, it doesn't tell you what the UV is it just tells you if your bulb is working right if it's if it's putting anything out right so like if you buy a brand new bulb and you put the card the card's purple and if you put the card underneath it it immediately changes color i actually haven't tested it yet but it immediately changes colors and uh it's not it, VivTech, is it? No, no. Okay. And um I'll, you know what? I'll go grab it. Yeah, I'm curious now. Like anyway, I'd, I'll I'd have a it. I'd have a lot of fun playing with that. Take it to the beach and see how much we're all getting irradiated. I have not was asked if I've watched the Francis Baines interview on the Animals at Home YouTube channel. 
So this newer company is called Repti Zoo. Okay. And they make, Original. yes. Um, and it's got, it's got like an iguana lizard thing as their logo. It's, it's very cliche, but the company honestly seems to be making some pretty cool stuff. Uh, they have a lot of resin. I remember that booth now, I think. Yeah. They have a lot of resin hide caves and hide boxes, uh, a lot of resin and ceramic water bowls. And like a lot of the stuff is literally the spitting image, if not the exact same thing as Exoterra, but it is slightly different, and some of them are way more aesthetically pleasing, in my opinion. In fact, the little resin cave that I got for the Woma, I, that's one of these Reptizoo ones. Um, and then they also have a series of cages like Exoterra and Zilla with like the front opening glass and the screen mm-hmm. top, right? But there's no seam on the doors. So it's very, very expansive in appearance, and it... The, they, they tout the glass as being you know less water spots and more clear and blah 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 but i highly recommend people check it out it's all the same price as zoom Ed and exoterra but they made this uv sensor i can get the if i can get the glare right is it just a single card or is it like multiple ones yeah it's just a single card and i don't know if they're even selling these it, like i said underground was giving them away they had hundreds of them so if i open this up So it's got um, it's got a couple different cards inside it. <clears throat> so this is the actual sensor, and you can see it's purple, and has like a sun on it. Oh. And if I hold it close to the camera, I don't know if it'll pick it up. But you see, there's like an imprint of a sun. Yeah. Okay, so that sun will light up depending on the power that's hitting this card. But does it tell you? Like it doesn't it doesn't tell you how much UV is being admitted. No, but it does just, it have like a legend to where if it's like a certain darkness or color as far as that does it tell you? Like I mean, surely uh, it tells you if, if there's like there's gotta be okay. some sort of spectrum in terms yeah. of like, so this reusable card can measure ultraviolet radiation accurately in 10 seconds. Hold the card under the UV lamp at the basking site within five centimeters distance to the lamp to check if the lamp is available or not. Purple light will be shown on the UV purple light will be shown on the card under the uv lamp and means the lamp is available replace the bulb annually blah 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 uh, yeah and then it comes with a qr code so you can see how it actually works huh. um i keep i literally put this on my nightstand i keep forgetting to use it I was say, have you played with it yet well no and i want i got one specifically because i just i just replaced the uv bulb in the girdle tails so it's like fresh it's only i, I literally put it in the day before we left for daytona so I'm going to, their timers are all turned off now because it's nighttime, but I'm going to check it tomorrow morning and I'll take pictures and I will, we'll post it. So I very think exciting. I'm, I think I'm looking at their Facebook page right now. No, I don't know. Stuff like, like companies like this, I guess, kind of make me a little skeptical just because we see so many of them. Yeah. It's like, how I legit it. is it? But I get it. But I mean, dude, when Zilla first came on the market, everyone was skeptical. And now, dude, Zilla makes a ton of cool stuff. Same thing with Exoterra. Like, everyone's got to start somewhere, you know? And when I when I tell you that, like, the caves, like, the hide caves are literally, the water bowls, freaking identical. Like, the same freaking mold from China, just painted differently. Hmm. So... At least the little card, you know, it was free and it gets people checking their stuff, you know? 
Yeah, no, I mean, that's a cool idea. Like, simple, small stuff like that. that... And I feel like back in the day before we had coil UVs, um, when it was just like a tube light, like a T5 or T T12? No. T6? I I don't know. You know what I'm talking about. Like the tube lights for a fish tank? Mm Mm-hmm. Before we had the coils, the rule of thumb was when you put the bulb in, if it was like a blue or white color, it was fresh. If it had turned pink, you were done, you were shot, time for a new bulb. But now those coil ones, they stay the same color so much longer that it's cool to have like a little card like this so you don't have to go out and buy a multiple $100 UV index reader, which I kind of still want to buy, especially watching Burke play with his in West Texas. Like, I kind of want to buy one. I don't know. What are you seeing, Smitty? I'm that's that's the that is the same people. I don't know. I mean, it looks good. I just I don't know. Anytime I see that stuff, I just think of like wish.com kind of like you it know looks what? legit, it, it, but then you get your hands on it and it's actually like really flimsy and really poor, poor build. The, the cages looked good, the glass enclosures looked real good. The hide caves, the water bowls, that looked real good. Um, I don't know if they're producing lights. I imagine they are. I have not tested them yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but the dry goods look cool, man. So yeah. I'll give it and a that. I have the same thought, too, though, that you do when I see any of that stuff. It's like it's all coming from China. It's just got a different label on it. Yeah. Yeah. But somehow some companies are able to charge a premium over others. It's like literally probably made by the same people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Long gone are my days of uh, Exoterra type setups. Dude, I'm sorry. I love an Exoterra type setup. I think it's gorgeous. Granted, certain species need certain environmental... What's the word I'm looking for? They need certain things that a glass enclosure can't do. I get that. But for having like a little window and it not costs an arm and a leg and you're just putting on a bookshelf or something, you can't beat it, bro. Oh, for sure. And I mean, like, if I was going to, like, if I got strophes or something, like, without a doubt, they're obviously going to go in something, something nicer. Yeah. Yeah. Display like that. Yeah. Dart frogs. You know, I kept a lot of dart frogs and exos and it perfect for it. Um, Minus the, you know, the screen tops and stuff where ventilation ended up having to get covered up with glass or something. But right. And well, now, like Zilla and I think this company, too. They make a plastic cover that goes mm-hmm. over the screen that still allows ventilation but traps the humidity. So, yeah, and my sort of my gripe with that always was like if I just put a piece of glass over the screen, like that screen started rusting. Oh, really? In no time. So interesting. Well, I have one on a very small Zillow one that's like a small tall that I have mm-hmm. the Clorecus in, and uh, and that screen hasn't rusted. So, but that's got the plastic. Top. Yeah, it could have also. I'm, I'm sure over time, this might have been just an older one, like one of the original, like first gen or something like that, where they hadn't really figured, like thought about that kind of thing yet. Yeah. But yeah. when I was doing dart frogs, that that whole screen top was just coming out, period, and a piece of glass was going on top, anyways. So, you know, I get whatever, it. But, but yeah, I'll definitely uh, tomorrow morning. I'll, I'll try the card and take some pictures and see how it works. You can do a review for the website. Yeah, absolutely. Harry said, guess who's alternate eight the first week home from Daytona? Nice. 
Not mine, but the Cohen I did. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, at least the Gwen I did. Everything I got from Daytona, they've already eaten twice. Oh, show off, man! Like those things haven't skipped a beat, and I love it. Well, I don't have my own rodents. I have to still procure them. So, my Kluber's ate. They they both ate, so that was good. Just the Woma's giving me anxiety, but it's okay. Give it some time. Let her chill. I not going to be not going to be a helicopter mom. Line. I don't have any front line. I came home, and I went to set them up and spray some paper towels with some front line. And I was like, I must have used it all because I couldn't find it. So I was like, shit. Oh, did I, I gotta, tell you? Now I got to be Jake and be like, hey, can I borrow your front line? Did I tell you how great that worked for ticks on the Amazon that I got Billy? No. So I get Billy this Amazon. It's obviously an import. Healthy looking. Does a good BM. Eats a, a fresh killed uh, ex-breeder mouse. Life is good. But before I put her in the tub, because it's obviously quarantine, I, um, I put two squirts of front line. Let it air out for like 10 minutes. It had still had some moisture in there. Put in a fresh puppy pad, water bowl, hide cave, throw the snake in. Two days later, four dead ticks on the on the puppy pad. Freaking fantastic. Yeah, man. That's just the bomb. The I bomb. so I went and my dad had some some old stuff from when he was keeping things, and he had some of those like wider but flatter critter keepers. Yeah. And I had some corns that needed to get moved out of the the black box, the V35s, because they were kind of starting to hit capacity on them. So I moved them into those, which realistically probably aren't any bigger. Um, and while I found those, I also, he had a bottle of uh, some sort of mite spray. I don't, I have to look it up. I don't remember. I don't know if it's even, if it's, if it even works or if it's still good anymore. It was like nature's way or something like that. Oh, really? In the tan bottle. Harry says, Goinite are the confidence boosters. Here, here, old man. And Harry, we got to get you on here, man. It's been like Mir- miracle three months. Care. So I might try that and use that because I don't have any frontline right now. All right. Until Ryan Cox hears this and tells you that it's got strychnine in it. Yeah. <laughs> He's very good at that. He's very number, good at, at number one ingredient is battery acid. Yeah, exactly. What's this anthrax? What? Yeah, <laughs> that works. <laughs> Imagine a time where hoof and mouth disease and anthrax, a thing of the past. Huh. Yeah, he had that, and then he had some like bed bug spray, which was just permethrin in an aerosol can. Oh, Jesus which I'm not inclined to use chasing after the mosquito truck. Yeah, but I do need to, I need to treat them. I don't, I treat everything preemptively now. Like if something new comes in, yeah, you got it, man. It can't hurt. Just, just assume it's got it. Dude, a squirt, add your Aspen or whatever. You're good to go. Yeah, I don't even keep stuff on particulate for in quarantine. It all just stays on, on the uh, paper towel. And, you know, that's usually my thing. But this time I was like, you know what? These animals look good. They're from people that I, I, I don't want to say I trust, but reputable people. They're mm-hmm. not import. They're not imports. So I'll put them on a little Aspen. Keep my eyes yeah. peeled. Watch yeah. the water bowl. You know, they're all in quarantine anyway. So 
I mean, I don't have any concerns or like think that there's mites in the new ones that I brought home because yeah. everything looks flawless. But you know how it is. Like everything's fine. And then you notice one mite and then you notice five mites and then you notice 20 mites. And it's like, what the fuck? Yep. What I happened? get it. I get it. I get it. Oh, man, oh, man. I'm excited to see how all of those those corns I got progress. How's that stripe one? Which one? That cinder? The, the, yeah. He's, he's freaking pounding. Man, that thing's a, a hound for food. Good. Watch my fingers around that one. <laughs> I like it. My Jani shed. Jared the Jani. Good. He's been doing really well. Um, I'm supposed to be getting some Juno Road Bairds from Brandon McWilliams. All right, cool. Um, he and I are going to trade, so I'm going to send him a pair of the Loma Altas. He's sending me a pair of his, just kind of get nice. some some diversity in the in the blood there, and a little horse trading. Yep, yep. Sweet. I have a it. whole I have a whole box of stuff that has to go to Chris. <laughs> nice. I got a ton of stuff that has to go to him. How's he feeling? He said he was alive. Good. He said barely, but he was alive. He He's just said he was, bird. He'll take he it. said he was catching up on work, which is why he couldn't join us this evening. A likely story. Right. He was like, what the hell are you doing at 8 o'clock on a Monday? You ain't working. Don't lie to me. He's probably watching this right now. Probably. Laughing. Laughing. Well, he, he, he reached out to me uh, maybe Saturday, and he's like, hey, man. What's your favorite hemostats? And I was like, Midwest stainless steel, 20 or 18 or no, 24 inch. And he's like, Oh, where do I get those? So I sent him the link because I guess these pines that he got are psychotic, dude. And he is sick and tired of getting bit. He was trying to send me, he was trying to send me some. And I was like, I mean, I they're gorgeous. I don't want those damn things, dude. They're absolutely stunning animals. Wonderful. Stunning. They're also some then, they're bigger than baby retics. They're yeah, huge. no, thank you. I don't, I don't know. They're just it's like pissy arboreal stuff that just kind of sits in one place. That's fine, but <laughs> like I don't want to deal with a pine that gets big like that and remains sort of that that pissy. And just I don't. I mean, they're not, legit. Not space bigger. I'm gonna devote to to that. They're bigger than baby indigos. It's crazy. It's ridiculous. 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 Like I said, they're like the non-venomous perp. Yeah. They, they like plain and simple. That's they it. When yep. I see them, that's all I see is perps. Just going <laughs> nuts. And I'm like, Jesus. That's good, man. And he just thinks they're the coolest thing ever. I'm like, dude, these things are horrible. Why? <laughs> oh, you know who has turned into a whack job? That anery subak. Really? Dude, that thing is out for blood. That's that's they're they they strike me a lot being uh, as being similar to Brettles, where you have like the 5%. Yeah. 95% of them are going to be super calm, like the coolest snakes you'll ever own. And then you have that little subset that just got the like the, the bad gene. Where they're just, well, like, I, I don't horrible. think he's, he doesn't have the bad gene, but he's like, oh, there's more food. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Can eat something. Okay. That's how my female wild rose passes like that, and I don't, I don't trust her for a damn second. The male, he's he's cool as hell. Like I don't have a problem with her, but her, anytime I open that tub, she just comes looking at me, like following my hand, like, "Hey, yep, yep, I know you got something for me." Yeah, it's pretty bad when you trust a newborn woma over the subak. Yeah, 
it's bad. So it's good. Oh man. Yeah. So Harry said I couldn't buy the Midwest twenty four ones with the rubber last time, and I don't see. I have a pair of rubber tipped ones, and honestly, I don't mm. care for them. It's not the Midwest brands. There's something else. It's some like yeah. cheap Pakistan brand or something like that. But I'm not a fan of them. I don't. Nope. I don't. Nope. 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 No I rubber for me. I'm just not. They don't. Gripping the mouse is weird. Like I can't get a good grip on it. It just kind of like rolls. It, it just. Yeah, not into it. Yeah, I don't and like especially it. with venomous stuff, is they're prone to bite it, and they'll get a tooth stuck in the rubber, mm. and that's no bueno. Uh, the only ones that I've ever used on purpose was uh, ones that back in the day we dipped them in liquid silicone to yep. pick up small vipers and mm-hmm. stuff, and then. Henry and I got in a bunch of uh, spitalaps at at the farm, and dude, we were just we were just killing ourselves metaphorically speaking. And finally, we somebody had rubber tip tweezers, and we peeled we very carefully peeled the rubber tips off and put them onto a set of hemostats and just used those. We're just picking up picking up snakes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah, especially no, no if it's yeah, I don't know. It's especially if you're dealing with like. Um... Oh, you know how much extra skin like mice and stuff have. And so oh, yeah. Like, you go to grab them, it just doesn't just slips right like, off. You don't yeah. get any like leverage on it. You don't get there's any. No, there's no, t- there's no, there's uh, no, uh, tactile ability. Yeah. 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 And then when you go to like give them to a snake, they're like slipping out or popping out because the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the water and then just. It, or you go to oh. do it and the, the minute the snake strikes, it just slips and falls. Yep. Snakes just bite in air. Just covered in aspen. Yep, it's our life, Bubba. Yeah. Well, we had stuff that we wanted to get to tonight. Did you want to get to it, or do you want to save it? I think we can probably save it. All right, we could save it. Let's keep that in our pocket. Let's just yeah. Save that for a rainy day. Yeah, save that for when we get Chris on. Yeah, because I really I want his insight on it too. So. Just got to pin him down. Yep. He's yep. slippery. He's covered in baby oil. Like a freshwater eel. <laughs> <laughs> but it is bedtime. This episode was brought to you by blackboxcages.com. Check them out. If you don't want front openers, you can get sliders now on the X-T3. Check it out. Blackboxcages.com. Phil still has not sent me pictures of his. Been waiting for so, six months. You know those, um, uh, dude. I'm, I, I keep changing everything in my mind about this freaking reptile room, right? But those critter keepers you're talking about, those short, wide mm-hmm. ones, that's what I have the pseudocerastes in. I think I may. I got to talk to Jen, but I think I'm going to do another slider and just put them together, and because that'll be just cool. So, I get your I pictures. I get, yeah. I get them. I get them. Okay. Believe it when I see it. Yep. 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 So check them out. Blackboxcages.com. And then Puget Sound Pythons, Jeff and Kendra, awesome people. Fortunate to call them friends. They're going to have some stuff available soon. They just had some stuff hatched when they got back from Daytona. So yeah. keep an eye out there. If you're looking to get some, some royal pythons. Who better to get them from? Yeah, that's right. So, 
We'll be back for THP on Thursday, I believe. I have to double-check my email. I have an email from him, uh, Zach Fitzner, who did the Tears for Crocodilia book. Um, I believe he's awesome. going to be our guest. Don't know for sure yet. I'll confirm as soon as we're done here, and uh, that'll be really good. So we'll uh, see everybody then. Yeah. New episode of Venom Exchange Radio is out. Yeah. I listened episode to it yesterday. nine with Paul Bester from South Africa. Talking about scorpions. Made me miss keeping scorpions, bastard. I know. It was Thanks a great a bunch. show. I was like, damn. It was a great show. Start talking about androctonus and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, I, miss it. I love how you were like 20 species in the U.S. Dude, I'm sorry, but like, look, man, I've made mistakes before. I knew we had more than that, but I didn't know we had that many either. Dude, so I was like, I, yeah, that didn't make any sense to me because I was thinking like there's only like seven or eight in Arizona. There's like five or six in Texas. And I'm like, no, there is split to hell. So there was there was 20 like 30 years ago. Yeah, well, I'm old. But there, you know they're all, like, almost all of those, at least a very large majority of, like, probably 80, 90% of them are all, like, those weird, like, they all look very similar, almost identical, but of they're course. somehow split up. Yeah, and they, exactly. That's if like it I was talking steroides to, or something else, you're like, I don't know what the hell that is. Right, and talk, talking to Paul at, off air, and he's like, yeah, he says, you know, the reason why they split up all the South African stuff is because you could find six different scorpions and they all look identical to the naked eye. But when you look at them under like a macro lens or like a, a macroscope, you know, you can mm -hmm. count like this one has 46 hairs. That one has 45 and they all have 45. So they're different species like shit like that. You know, they, they count, they count the notches on the inside of the pincer on the, Oh really? Oh yeah. So like you'll have a, um, there'll be like, you know, a pithothalamus. Oh, yeah. It'll be Epistothalamus Justin Smith eye. It'll have five notches in its pincer, and it'll be Epistothalamus Phil Wolf eye that looks identical but has three notches in its pincer. Different species. There's no possible way that could just be like a gene pool population local thing. That's completely out of well, the question. I mean, dude, they got DNA now, so who knows? Yeah, well. once, uh, once he finishes his book, we're going to get him back on. Oops, Hell I yeah. said too much. Oh. It was a good one. I enjoyed it. Thanks, bro. Thank you. Check it out. Venom Exchange Radio, episode nine. Go download it. Yeah. Do it. Do it. All right. Everyone, have a good evening. Good morning. Good day. Whenever you may be listening to this, if you hung out with us tonight, thank you. Very much we'll, so. Uh, we'll see everybody later. Bye. Bye.